Chapter Thirty One of the Rangeland Avenger by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Even though he was taken utterly by surprise, habit made Arizona go for his own gun, as the sheriff whipped out his weapon. But under those conditions, he was beaten badly to the draw. Before his weapon was half out of the holster, the sheriff had the drop. Arizona paused, but for a moment his eyes fought Kern, figuring chances. It was only the hesitation of an instant. The battle was lost before it had begun, and Arizona was clever enough to know it. Swiftly, he turned on a new tack. He shoved his revolver back into the holster and smiled benevolently on the sheriff. "'What's the new game, Kern?' "'It ain't new,' said the sheriff joylessly. It's about the oldest game in the world, Arizona. You sure killed Sanderson. Sanderson? Arizona laughed. Why, man, I ain't hardly seen him more than once. How come that I would kill him? Get your hands up, Arizona. Oh, sure, he obeyed with apparent willingness. But don't let anybody see you making this fool play, Sheriff. Maybe not so foolish. I'll tell you why you killed him. You're broke, Arizona. Ten days ago, Mississippi Slim cleaned you out at dice. Well, when Sinclair told me where Cold Feet was, you listened through the door. But you didn't stay to find out that Jig wasn't wanted no more. You beat it up to the mountain, and there you found Sanderson was ahead of your time. You drilled Sanderson, hoping to throw the blame on Cold Feet. Then you come down... But on the way, Cold Feet gives you the slip and gets away. And that's why you are here. Arizona blinked. So much of this tale was true that it shook even his iron nerve. He managed to smile. That's a wild yarn, Sheriff. Do you think it'll go down with a jury? It'll go down with any jury around these parts. What's more, Arizona, I ain't going to rest on what I think. I'm going to find out. And if I send down to the South inquiring about you, I got an idea that I'll find out enough to hang ten like you, huh? Once more, Arizona received a vital blow, and he winced under the impact. Moreover, he was bewildered. His own superior intelligence had inclined him to despise the sheriff, whom he put down as a fellow of more bulldog power than mental agility. All in a moment, it was being borne in upon him that he had underrated his man. He could not answer. His smooth tongue was chained. Not that I got any personal grudge against you, went on the sheriff, but it's gents like you that I'm after, Arizona, not ones like Sinclair. You ain't clean, Arizona. You're slick, and there ain't elbow room enough in the West for slick gents. Besides, you've got a bad way with your gun. I can tell you this, speaking private and confidential, I'm going to hang you, Arizona, if there's any way possible. He said all this quietly, but the revolver remained poised with rock-like firmness. He drew out a pair of manacles. Stand up, Arizona. Listlessly, the fat man got up. He had been changing singularly during the last speech of the sheriff. Now he dropped a hand on the edge of the table as if to support himself. The sheriff saw the hand grip the wood 
until the knuckles went white. Arizona moistened his colorless lips. Not the Iron Sheriff, he said softly, not them. If it had been any other man, Kern would have imagined that he was losing his nerve. But he knew Arizona had seen him in action, and he was certain that his courage was above question. Consequently, he was amazed. As certainly as he had ever seen them exposed, these were the horrible symptoms of cowardice that make a brave man shudder to see. "'Can't trust you,' he said wonderingly. "'Wouldn't trust you a minute, Arizona, without the irons on you. You're a bad actor, son, and I've seen you acting up. Don't forget that. Sheriff, I give you my word that I'll go quiet as a lamb.' A moment elapsed before Kern could answer, for the voice of Arizona had trembled as he spoke. The sheriff could not believe his ears. "'Well, I'm sorry, Arizona,' he said more gently, because he was striving to banish this disgusting suspicion from his own mind. "'I can't take no chances. Just turn around, will you, and keep them hands up.' He barked the last words, for the arms of Arizona had crooked suddenly. They stiffened at the sharp command of the sheriff. Slowly trembling, as if they possessed a volition of their own, hardly controlled by the fat man, those hands fought their way back to their former position. And then Arizona gradually turned his back on the sheriff. A convulsive shudder ran through him as Kern removed his gun, and then seized one of the raised hands, drew it down, and fastened one part of the iron on it. The other hand followed, and as the sheriff snapped the lock, he saw a singular transformation in the figure of his captive. The shoulders of Arizona slouched forward. His head sank. From the erect, powerful figure of a moment before, he became, in comparison, a flabby pile of flesh, animated by no will. "'What's the matter?' asked the sheriff. "'You ain't lost your nerve, have you, Fatty?' Arizona did not answer. Kern stepped to one side and glanced at the face of his captive. It was strangely altered. The mouth had become trembling, loose, uncertain. The head had fallen, and the bright, keen eyes were dull. The man looked up with darting side glances. The sheriff stood back and wiped the sudden perspiration from his forehead. Under his very eyes the spirit of this gunfighter was disintegrating. The sheriff felt a cold shame pour through him. He wanted to hide this man from the eyes of others. It was not right that he should be seen. His weakness was written too patently. Kern was no psychologist, but he knew that some men out of their peculiar element are like fish out of water. He shook his head. Walk out that back door, will you? he asked softly. "'We ain't going down the street?' demanded Arizona. "'No.' "'Thanks, Sheriff.' Again Kern shuddered, swallowed, and then commanded, "'Start along, Arizona.' Slinking through the door, the fat man hesitated on the little porch and cast a quick glance up and down. "'No one near,' he said. "'Hurry up, Sheriff.' Quickly they skirted down behind the houses, not unseen, however, a small boy playing behind his father's house raised his head to watch the hurrying pair. 
and when he saw the glitter of the irons, they heard him gasp. He was old enough to know the meaning of that, irons on Arizona, who had been a town hero the night before. They saw the youngster dart around the house. Blast him, groaned Arizona. He'll spread it everywhere. Hurry. He was right. The sheriff hurried with a will, but as they crossed the street for the door of the jail, voices blew down to them. Looking toward the hotel, they saw men pouring out into the street, pointing, shouting to one another. They swept down on the pair. But the sheriff and his prisoner gained the door of the jail first, and Kern locked it behind him. His deputy on guard rose with a start, and at the same time there was a hurried knocking on the door and a clamor of voices without. Arizona shrank away from that sound, scowling over his shoulder, but the sheriff nodded good-humoredly. Take it easy, Arizona. I ain't going to make a show of you. Sure that's like you, sheriff, said a hurried, half-whining voice. You're square. I'll sure show you one of these days. Now I appreciate the way you treat me. Kern was staggered. It seemed to him that a new personality had taken possession of the body of the fat man. He led the way past his gaping deputy. The jail was not constructed for a crowd. It was merely a temporary abiding place before prisoners were taken to the larger institution at Woodville. Consequently, there was only one big cell. The sheriff unlocked the door, slipped the manacles from the wrist of Arizona, and jabbed the muzzle of a revolver into his back. The last act was decidedly necessary. For the moment his wrists were released from the grip of the steel, Arizona twitched halfway round toward the sheriff. The scrape of the gun muzzle against his ribs, however, convinced him. Over his shoulder, he cast one murderous glance at the sheriff and then slouched forward into the cell. "'Company for you, Riley,' said the sheriff, as the tall cowpuncher rose. The other's back was turned, and thereby the sheriff was enabled to pass a significant gesture and look to Sinclair. With that he left them. In the outer room he found his deputy much alarmed. "'You ain't turned them two in together,' he asked. "'Why, Sinclair kill that gent in about a minute. Ain't it Arizona that nailed him?' "'Sinclair will play square,' Kern insisted and Arizona won't fight. Leaving the other to digest these mysterious tidings, the sheriff went out to disperse the crowd. In the meantime, Sinclair had received the newcomer in perfect silence, his head raised high, his thin mouth set in an ugly line, very much as an eagle might receive an owl, which floundered by mistake onto the same crag far above his element. The eagle hesitated between scorn of the visitor and a faint desire to pounce on him and rend him to pieces. That glittering eye, however, was soon dull with wonder when he watched the actions of Arizona. The fat man paused in the center of the cell, regarded Sinclair with a single flash of the eyes, and then glanced uneasily from side to side. That done, he slipped away to a corner and slouched down on a stool, his head bent down on his breast. Apparently, 
he had fallen into a profound reverie. But Sinclair found that the eyes of Arizona continually whipped up and across to him. Once the newcomer shifted his position a little, and Sinclair saw him test the weight of the stool beneath him with his hand. Even in the cell, Arizona had found a weapon. Gradually, Sinclair understood the meaning of that glance and the gesture of the sheriff, as the latter left. He read other things in the gray pallor of Arizona and in the fallen head. The man was unnerved. Sinclair's reaction was very much what that of the sheriff had been, a sinking of the heart and a momentary doubt of himself. But he was something more of a philosopher than Kern. He had seen more of life and men and put two and two together. One thing stared him plainly in the face. The Arizona who skulked in the corner had relapsed eight years. He was the same sneak thief whom Sinclair had first met in the lumber camp. And he knew instinctively that this was the first time since that unpleasant episode that Arizona had been cornered. The loathing left Sinclair, and in its place came pity. He had no fondness of Arizona, but he had seen him in the role of a strong man, which made the contrast more awful. It reminded Sinclair of the wild horse which loses its spirit when it is broken. Such was Arizona. Free to come and go, he had been a danger. Shut up helplessly in a cell, he was as feeble as a child, and his only strength was a sort of cunning malice. Sinclair turned quietly to the fat man. Arizona, he said, you look sort of underfed today. Bring your stool a bit nearer and let's talk. I've been hungry for a chat with someone. In reply, Arizona rolled back his head and for a moment glared thoughtfully at Sinclair. He made no answer. Presently his glance fell, like that of a dog. Sinclair shivered. He tried brutality. Looks to me, Arizona, as though you've lost your nerve. The other moistened his lips, but said nothing. But the point is, said the tall cowpuncher, that you've given up before you're beaten. Riley Sinclair's words brought a flash from Arizona, a sudden lifting up of the head, as if he had not before thought of hoping. Then he began to slump back into his former position, without a reply. Sinclair followed his opening advantage at once. What you in for? Murder. Great guns of whom? Sanderson. It brought Sinclair stiffly to his feet. Sanderson? His trail was ended. How was avenged at last? And you done it, Fatty. You took that job out of my hands. I'm thanking you. Besides, it ain't nothing to be downhearted about. Sanderson was a skunk. Can they prove it on you? The need to talk overwhelmed Arizona. It burst out of him, not to Sinclair, but rather at him. His shifting eyes made sure there was no one near. Kern is going to send south for the dope. I'm done for. They can hang me three times on what they'll learn, and... Shut up, snapped Sinclair. Don't talk foolish. The south is a tolerable big place to send to. They don't know where you come from. Take them a month to find out, and by that time you won't be at hand. Huh? 
because you and me are going to bust out of this paper jail they've got. He had not the slightest hope of escape, but he tried the experiment of that suggestion merely to see what the fat man's reactions would be. The result was more than he could have dreamed. Arizona whirled on him with eyes ablaze. What do you mean, Sinclair? Just what I say. Do you think they can keep two like us in here? No, not if you come to your old self. The need to confide again fell on Arizona. He dragged the stool nearer. His voice was a whisper. Sinclair, something's busted in me. When them irons grabbed my arms, they took everything out of me. I got no chance. They got me cornered. And you'll fight like a wildcat to the end of things. Sure you will. Buck up, man. You think you've turned yellow? You ain't. You're just out of place. Take a gent that's used to a forty-foot rope and a pony. Give him sixty feet on a sixteen-hand horse. And ain't he out of place? Sure. He looks like a clumsy fool. And the other way around it works the same way. A trout may be a flash of light in water, but on dry land he ain't worth a damn. Same with you, Fatty. While you got a free foot, you're all right. But when they put you behind a wall and saying they're going to keep you there, you're darn near bust down. Why? Because it looks to you like you ain't got a chance to fight back. So you quit altogether. But you'll come back to yourself, Arizona. You? Arizona raised his hand. He was sitting erect now, drinking in the words of Sinclair, as if they were heir to a stifling man. His face worked. Why are you doing this for me, Sinclair, after I landed you here? Because I made a man out of you once, answered the tall man evenly, and I ain't going to see you backslide. Why, Arizona, you're one of the fastest-thinking, quickest-handed gents that ever buckled on a gun, and here you are lying down like a kid that ain't never faced trouble before. Come alive, man. You and me are going to bust this old jail to smithereens. And when we get outside, I'll blow your head off if I can. Riley's words had carried Arizona with him. Suddenly, an olive-skinned hand shot out and clutched his own bony, strong fingers. The hand was fat and cold, but it gripped that of Riley Sinclair with a desperate energy. Sinclair, you mean it? You'll play in with me? I will, sure. He had to drag the words out but after he had spoken he was glad. New life shone in the face of Arizona. A man with you for a partner ain't done, Sinclair, not if he had a rope around his neck. Listen, do you know why I come in town? Well, to get you out. I believe you, Arizona, lied Sinclair. Not for your sake, but hers. Sinclair's face suddenly went white. Who? The girl, whispered Arizona. I cashed her away outside of town to wait for us. Sinclair, she loves you. Riley Sinclair sat as one stunned and dragged the hat from his head. End of chapter 31